want you to hit me as hard as you can. It was here at the Carol Co. Studios in Wilmington, North Carolina, that actor Brandon Lee was filming The Crow. Ironically, the film is about a man who dies and comes back to life to avenge his death. Throughout his short life, Brandon Lee was known in many circles as the son of Bruce Lee. It's not meant as a dishonor, but Brandon had a fiery desire to jump from that shadow and be known as Brandon Lee. The similarities between the men's careers, a mastery of martial arts, a silver screen presence are undeniable, but Brandon etched out his own mark through a small selection of movies and a respectable industry reputation. He too solidified his own legend, although not in the manner he strived for. Honoring the anniversary of his tragic death, we remember Brandon Lee. Brandon Bruce Lee was born February 1st, 1965, the last day of the Year of the Dragon. The son of martial artist and Jeet Kune Do founder Bruce Lee, Brandon quickly went from the crib to the dojo, training in the field since he could walk. My dad was a really diligent trainer and he always had people over at the house practicing, uh, friends and students, and that was just how we played at my house. Growing up, Lee moved back and forth between Hong Kong, where his grandparents were from, and California, the Lee's primary residence. It was through these travels that Lee would adapt to various cultures and customs, learning to speak Cantonese and witnessing how a Hollywood movie was made firsthand on the set of his father's productions. Bruce Lee died in 1973 at the age of 32 when Brandon was just eight. His untimely demise subject of conspiracy theories was ruled death by misadventure which sounds like how mr bean might perish but was actually brought about by cerebral edema or fluid buildup around the brain still lee continued studying martial arts working under one of his father's proteges he too decided to be an actor but not necessarily a martial arts action actor I, I always wanted to go into films. I didn't really plan necessarily on going into martial arts films, and this film, Rapid Fire, is my first time out of the box in a leading role. I, I don't mind doing them, but I'd like to be able to have the versatility of somebody, you know, like Mel Gibson, for example, who gets the chance to do a big action film, but then also step off and do, you know, Hamlet finally one day. His cinematic preferences were less roundhouse and more arthouse. His favorite being Hal Ashby's Harold and Maude. After high school, well, the multiple ones he was thrown out of, he did get his GED, but uh, stay in school, kids. Lee studied acting at the famed Lee Strasberg Theater Institute in New York and also joined the Legal Aliens Theater Troupe back in Los Angeles. Despite the clear parallels in place and admitted idolizing, he even named one of his cats Cato after Bruce Lee's Green Hornet character, Brandon Lee wanted to avoid the direct links to his father. This, both cinematically and tragically, would be unavoidable. Lee actually wanted his career to be more like Mel Gibson's, with a trajectory that would allow for both action and serious drama. He began as a script reader before getting his first role, playing David Carradine's son in 1986's 
Kung Fu the Movie, a made-for-TV sequel to the series Kung Fu. Interestingly, maybe forebodingly, Kung Fu was originally developed by Bruce Lee. Lee would get his first starring role in 1986's revenge flick, Legacy of Rage, which received positive reception at the Cannes Film Festival and even earned its star a nomination for Best Newcomer at the Hong Kong Film Awards. Legacy of Rage was directed by Hong Kong native Ronnie Yu, long before he stepped into American horror franchises with Bride of Chucky and Freddy vs. Jason. Yu, who had a hand in moving fan favorite Chow Yun-Fat's career upward, would encourage Lee to try to make a name for himself, with the movie serving as the first big screen demonstration of Lee's presence as both a martial artist and a performer. Lee even got to work with Bolo Young, a former friend of his father's and who found fame in the expansive world of Bruce Bloitation. Lee would return to the Kung Fu franchise under a different role, playing the great-grandson of Kwai Chang Kane, David Carradine's antagonist of the series. Kung Fu, The Next Generation, not to be confused with Kung Fu, Deep Space Nine, was never picked up as a full series, but the pilot did air on the anthology series CBS Summer Playhouse. Lee's only additional foray into television was in an episode of the Pat Morita cop drama O'Hara. Next came 1989's Laser Mission, a Cold War actioner which sounds like an Atari game but had him playing a mercenary alongside Oscar winner Ernest Borgnine. The movie, considered a James Bond knockoff, hey, it's at least on par with that year's License to Kill, is a hodgepodge of 80s era, this is cool right, tropes, poison darts, suspiciously easy prison escapes, explosions of the Hollywood backlot tour variety, and of course, wife beaters. Laser Mission is made specifically for killing an igloo of cold ones with a room full of buddies. It was around this time that Lee met with Marvel Comics icon and future cameo stalwart Stan Lee, no relation, to discuss a role for Brandon. Stan Lee recognized the young actor as a future star and wanted him to play Shang-Chi, a character modeled partly after Bruce Lee during the martial arts boom of the 70s. Again showing an inevitable parallel between the men. The project would not come to fruition, with Brandon Lee at least. The character will make his debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 2021's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Released one year apart were Showdown in Little Tokyo and Rapid Fire. Showdown teamed Lee with Dolph Lundgren, who did his own typecast protection by getting a master's in chemical engineering in between earning a black belt and making his movie debut. A staple of the Walmart bargain bin, buddy cop action flick Showdown is borderline legendary in its over-the-top zaniness and dialogue, which ranges from terrible plays on words. We're gonna nail this guy. And when we get done, we're gonna go eat fish off those naked chicks. To cinema's most bizarre compliment. Kenner, just in case we get killed, I wanted to tell you, you have the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. Thanks. At a bewilderingly brisk 79 minutes, Showdown is a credit-to-credit, 
pectoral to pectoral banger with an ending straight out of Looney Tunes. You have the right to be dead. And although Lee playing a Japanese character, as if Japan and Hong Kong are interchangeable, is retroactively problematic, Showdown in Little Tokyo justly stands as one of the most enjoyable cult action flicks of the 90s. Rapid Fire allowed Lee to design the fight choreography, another passion of his that he further developed on The Crow. The fighting is an integral part of the film. I get a real kick out of doing fight choreography. There really isn't any, any momentum that we're talking about. It's, 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 just, it's a dead stop and then a jump, you know what I mean? Praise for Lee was rampant, particularly for the fight sequences, which find Lee knocking out baddies up, down, left, right, and plenty in the middle, paying homage in certain scenes to fellow Hong Kong icon Jackie Chan, himself one of the few men who can make a kitchen appliance an effective weapon. Backed by a supporting cast of Nick Mancuso and the late, towering Powers Booth, Lee excels, building on his previous efforts to prove to be a favorite amongst a hugely supportive fan base, many of whom consider Rapid Fire the best of Lee's genre movies. Lee was also proud of it, noting that it had a special place in his budding filmography. As Lee's acclaim rose, Universal approached him for Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Lee couldn't wrap his mind around the surrealism of playing his father, a niche sort of role that could either be a touching tribute or an ill-intentioned slap in the face. I was a little scared by the whole thing, really. It's, it's strange to play your own father, you know. And as Lee was still blossoming as an actor, he was concerned that the role was kind of thing I just feel like it could really be a career ender, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could be there and then gone. Yeah, I'm not sure anybody's ever done it really, have they? He too did fear the perception of clinging to his father's coattails, once stating, quote, I don't want to be known only as Bruce Lee's son, to take a magic carpet ride on my father's achievements, unquote. Lee stepped aside, but did help Jason Scott Lee better catch his father's persona. Lee hoped for a quote, good, respectable film, unquote. Unfortunately, he would never see the movie. Instead, it would end up being dedicated to him. Brandon Lee's final film was The Crow, directed by Alex Proyas and based on James O'Barr's comic series. Lee played Eric Draven, a murdered rock star who seeks vengeance for his death, as well the rape and murder of his fiancée the night before their wedding. By most accounts, Lee was the first choice, although names like Christian Slater and Johnny Depp circled around. I see you have made your decision. Surprising, considering Lee still wasn't a marquee name and his movies up to that point weren't regarded as much outside of their genre. Lee, already in fantastic shape, undertook extensive training even dropping 20 pounds, where he found it on his trim physique is a mystery. He was devoted to Eric Draven. Little things used to mean so much to Shelley. I used to think they were kind of trivial. Believe me, nothing is trivial. 
pulling from his experiences of studying method acting, even taking an ice bath to get into the character's resurrection scene. With just eight days left in production of The Crow, Brandon Lee was fatally shot while filming Eric Draven's death scene in a devastating example of life imitating art. The question remains, where did the bullet come from that killed Brandon Lee? The incident was caused when the tip of a dummy round, which contains no gunpowder but still has a lead tip for close-up shots, became lodged in the barrel. When a blank, which was placed unknowingly behind the tip, was fired, the tip discharged, putting a hole more than one inch in diameter in Lee's abdomen. Brandon Lee was pronounced dead on March 31st, 1993. He was 28. In another tragic shadowing of his final character, Lee was also engaged at the time of his death. The wedding date set for the following month. It was his fiancée, Eliza Hutton, who gave her blessing that production continue. The Crow was close to being a doomed movie after star Brandon Lee was killed in a handgun accident. It was days before completion and Lee's work was not finished. So how did they put Brandon into scenes he was not originally in? The production made use of stuntmen, as well as innovative visual effects and digital composites. This allowed Lee, in a way, to live on, to be resurrected. Bruce Lee also died while making a film, Game of Death, although the pre-digital workarounds were limited to cutaways, cardboard cutouts, and even exploitative use of actual funeral footage. Techniques similar to those used for The Crow would be utilized more recently for the likes of Roy Scheider, Peter Cushing, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. But the techniques used for Lee remain a benchmark. Hey, he certainly looks better than Livia Soprano. The Crow opened in May 1994, more than one year after Lee's death, giving him his widest audience yet and urging a rediscovery of his limited work. Quote, Every time you come up against a true barrier to your progress, he said, you are a child again, unquote, echoing the concept of rebirth. And indeed, Brandon Lee lives on. Well, my dad uh, made a point at the time that he was training that there were a lot of martial artists who weren't paying enough attention to their instrument, you know, and certainly the instrument of the body is what you're going to be using in your practice of the martial arts. So I think it's very important to keep up the temple, so to speak. Brandon Lee was in constant evolution throughout his life, once stating, quote, We reduce ourselves at a certain point in our lives to kind of solely pursuing things that we already know how to do, unquote. He believed in developing and learning about oneself, recording and studying his martial arts techniques, and striving to establish an individual reputation outside of his father. As his mother, Linda, Lovingly put it not long after his death, quote, Brandon had found his own identity, unquote. At the time of his death, Lee had multi-picture deals with Fox and Carol Co. Productions. There's no telling what these pictures would have brought, but what he left behind as a charismatic actor is irrefutable. His death pushed video sales of his earlier action movies, with some developing cult followings particularly Showdown in Little Tokyo and unintentioned swan song The Crow, with the latter even showing influence in the world of professional wrestling. Lee himself has become something of a cult figure, 
his tragic, premature death solidifying him as both a Hollywood cautionary tale and a cultivating international star never permitted to realize his potential. Brandon Lee is buried in Seattle's Lakeview Cemetery next to his father. Brandon's tombstone, black and slightly askew in shape, resembles a shadow next to Bruce Lee's, but the marker is no less impressive, no less worthy of discovering. Brandon Lee was his own man, his own style, his own version of an icon. Because we do not know when we will die, we get to think of life as an inexhaustible well. And yet everything happens only a certain number of times, and a very small number, really. Thank you for watching our show. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our channel, tell your friends who like this sort of content, and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all of our latest videos. We're an independent company and we appreciate all of your support.